Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is the Weekly Standard's political guru, Michael Warren. Is that a fair description, Michael? Well, uh, I'll leave that to, uh, to others to say. <laughs> so yesterday was one of the big Senate primary days, and the headline is there were no headlines. That, that's pretty much it. I mean, a lot of these races, particularly in Kentucky, in Oregon, in Arkansas, the, the outcomes were, were all already pretty predetermined. The question really was, what margins uh, these these people would uh, would win by? So you have Mitch McConnell winning his uh, Senate primary against Matt Bevin. That was pretty much baked in the cake in the last uh, couple months. Bevin really never took off as a, as an effective primary challenge. You had uh, Tom Cotton easily winning his primary Senate primary in Arkansas, uh, and then Monica Webby. Uh, winning uh, her Republican primary in Oregon, which is sort of a dark horse race. Uh, there's been some interesting uh, revelations about her personal life in the last couple of weeks, which I think indicates that Democrats in Oregon are a little concerned about her, although she's on the margins. So really the only news from, from last night was what happened in Georgia, because you had a five-way primary, and it was it was kind of up in the air about which two candidates would, would proceed to the runoff in Georgia, and, and that's really where uh, where we, we solve subdivisions. Now, some people are looking at the results in Georgia, and they're seeing two pretty mainstream uh, establishment Republican types, David Perdue and Congressman Jack Kingston, as the finalists for the runoff, and they say, oh, that shows the Tea Party's dead. Other people are looking at the fact that the three Tea Party candidates, if you will, and that's kind of a broad label, but we'll use it, um, Gingry, Brown, and Karen Handel combined for 42% of the vote. Which analysis, Michael, do you think is the most spot on? Well, I really think you're absolutely right that it's difficult to put these labels on, uh, particularly in Georgia. And it's a lot of because you had five candidates. I mean, five candidates that are all running for, uh, you know, different parts of the Republican uh, coalition in Georgia. But uh, it, it's really hard to label them. I mean, I wouldn't label, for instance, Karen Handel as a Tea Party uh, uh, person in particular. I mean, she's a former Secretary of State, and, uh, and but she's also very conservative. Um, and, and then you have uh, Phil Gingry and Paul Brown, the congressman who, who really just sort of bottomed out uh, there. And, you know, they, uh, I would say Paul Brown is more like the Tea Party, uh, a little uh, extreme on some of these other uh, issues. He said some, some kind of crazy things about science and, and that sort of thing. I mean, Phil Gingry's been in Congress for, for a decade, so he's not exactly your Tea Party guy. Uh, and, and you look at uh, Jack Kingston and, and David Perdue, the two guys who, who are going on to the runoff, uh, and... Uh, I mean, this is sort of, for Republicans, for conservatives, this is the great thing about Georgia is even if you're an establishment Republican like Jack Kingston, you're still pretty conservative. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of the issues in the primary were focused on Kingston's uh, spending. He's got a very agricultural district, so he's uh, he's voted for some appropriations in his uh, 22 years in Congress. And uh, But, you know, David Perdue is another guy who's hard to pin down. He's very much running as an outsider against Washington. Sounds like a Tea Party uh, kind of message. He's also the cousin of, uh, of a former Georgia governor, Sonny Perdue, and, uh, and the CEO. So, he, I mean, he's got a kind of a mixture of all of these parts of the Republican coalition. Uh, I, I would say that uh, the outcome of the Georgia uh, uh, primary and, and looking at who's going in the runoff, probably the best that Republicans could have hoped for 
in running against uh, Democrat Michelle Nunn. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I was talking to some Tea Partiers today about, or I say Tea Party, I mean, that label is so cumbersome. Grassroots activist Republicans who are looking for candidates who reflect their small government ideology. Yeah, that's the cumbersome way of saying Tea Party. <clears throat> their take on Jack Kingston is he's a solely owned subsidiary of the Chamber of Commerce. They stepped in big time to dump money into Congressman Kingston's race. The problem is that his opponent, uh, David Perdue, is the Chamber of Commerce. And so... <laughs> Either way, you end up with a Chamber of Commerce Republican, which is good news when you're trying to attract voters from across the aisle, but maybe not so good if you're trying to shift the direction of the GOP. That's true. But, you know, we should look at what kind of Republicans Georgia elects statewide. I mean, Georgia is a conservative state, and I wouldn't necessarily say it's a uh, automatically small government or, or sort of more of that libertarian flair right. uh, that, 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 that comes in, in the, in the uh, Republican Party in some circles. I mean, this is a state that is uh, dominated on the northern third by Atlanta and all of these sort of booming uh, Chamber of Commerce type business stuff that's going on in that, uh, in that big uh, city. It's also got a lot of uh, agriculture, as I said, in the, in the southern two-thirds of the state. Uh, it, look, it's a conservative state. It's elected Republicans like Johnny Isaacson and Zaxby Chambliss. Uh, those, those aren't those aren't guys who are going to burn down right. uh, the House uh, to try to to try to cut cut big spending. Uh, but they're they're generally conservative on social issues and and on on the military and on national security. They're uh, uh, Zaxby Chambliss has sort of made a name for himself as as a guy on the intelligence committee. Um, so it, it, again. Georgia is difficult. This primary is difficult to sort of nail down and say this is what these candidates are one type or the other. I will say, uh, you know, Jack Kingston did have a lot of support. and does have a lot of support from the Chamber of Commerce, but he's also come out against uh, against amnesty uh, for you know in, in, in comprehensive immigration reform. We'll see if that holds uh, over the next uh, several uh, several months as as things move around the House. But look, I mean, these guys are. Uh, are more complicated than maybe their, 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 the folks who endorse them uh, would make it seem. Uh, Mike Warren, thus far in the uh, primary season of 2014, not a single incumbent, Republican or Democrat, at the congressional level has been defeated. What does that tell us? Well, it tells us two things. One is that a lot of these incumbents, particularly at the House level, where they've been reelected uh, every two years, are much more conservative. And that's a, that's a victory, I would say, for the Tea Party movement, uh, what you saw happen in 2010, and to a lesser extent, 2012, is that uh, is, is that it's harder to run against uh, against incumbent Republicans from the right because there's they're they're much more conservative. You know, this is a been a very conservative uh, Republican House conference. Um, there have been some disputes about tactics and and those sorts of things, but I think the the message of you know we need to get these guys out in Washington just doesn't have the same effect. Uh, anymore when, when, when the House is as conservative as it is. The second thing I would say is that, uh, is that candidates are getting better and smarter about uh, framing their arguments about why their certain votes or positions they've had to take tactical uh, or otherwise uh, are for the good of a conservative uh, agenda. So I think you're seeing uh, maybe a maturation of both on the side of, of activists who recognize that there are Republicans who are trying to do uh, the, the, the good conservative work that they were sent there to do, and also uh, candidates and, and, and incumbents who are uh, aware that uh, if they if they don't hold to what they uh, said they would, 
then they are uh, uh, likely to get a primary challenge. There's a third thing I would add, which is primaries are votes about what kind of party you want, and general elections are votes about what kind of city, state, country that you want. And it seems to me pretty clear that Republican voters from the most ardent grassroots activist to the Chamber of Commerce, you know, champagne-swilling limousine conservative, <laughs> all want Republicans who can win. They seem very clearly focused on the problem being Harry Reid, President Obama, and the Democratic majority. Would you agree with that? I think that's absolutely right. And I think that you're seeing that in some of the candidates that Republicans are recruiting, for, uh, particularly for these Senate races. Uh, you're seeing a lot more uh, female candidates. In fact, I'm uh, writing about that for the Weekly Standard this week, about how many more female Senate candidates there are. And you know what? Candidate recruitment is hard. You've got to tell these people, hey, leave your jobs at, uh, you know, your, either right. your comfy, you know, spot in the house or, or a state house, or leave your job as a CEO at this, at this company or whatever, and, and run for office and go up to Washington and deal with all a bunch of people calling you every day saying you're doing it wrong. Um, so I would say that's a, that's, a, that's a real coup for conservatives who want to win, is that they're finding better candidates and they're getting better at convincing them to jump into these races. One so, final uh, issue for you. Right. One final issue for you, Michael. Uh, President Obama was expected by, I think, every observer who watched this last-second meeting called with uh, Secretary of v Veterans Affairs Shinseki, and then a press announcement was planned for later that morning. They thought, well, this is it. The president's going to finally do what a lot of people expected a president to do in a, un, after a scandal like the VA scandal, and that is fire the guy in charge. Instead, President Obama came out and praised the head of the VA as a, quote, great public servant, close quote, and announced that he's going to just have the VA investigate the VA and find out whether or not the VA did anything wrong. Is this an issue that Republicans can use in the November election, particularly in red pro-military states like Georgia and Arkansas? Well, I would say one thing that I thought about as I was watching that press conference was, the knock against President Bush during his time in office was that he wasn't willing to admit mistakes. He wasn't willing to change course when things were going wrong. Uh, and it occurred to me that that's a, a much more apt description for President Obama. He seems unable to uh, to hold himself or his administration or the people who work for his administration responsible, even as he says, we must hold these people responsible. Look, I think uh, you're absolutely right. You look at a state like Georgia, where uh, Michelle Nunn is a, is, a, is a very formidable Democrat, running for that seat. It's an open seat. Uh, and Democrats think that that's a, a possible good chance for, for them to win. And, uh, and but, but Michelle Nunn would have to answer those questions, right? What do you think about your president, the, the head of your party, uh, not taking care of this uh, in, in a state like Georgia that has a lot of, of military influence? Uh, so if I'm, if I'm Jack Kingston or David Perdue, whoever gets through the primary, uh, I'm thinking, uh, this is something I would push. I think I think it could be a, a big thing uh, as well with folks like Tom Cotton, a military veteran uh, who's, uh, who's struggling to to get ahead in his race in Arkansas. So I think if this continues, President Obama has really given Republicans a political issue out of which uh, which is out of something that that really is tragic, which is the the, the un 
necessary deaths of, of these veterans. I think from New Hampshire to Oregon, Democrats who are trying to hold on to seats or run in the U.S. Senate are going to be very unhappy being forced by the White House to explain how keeping this uh, the VA head in power as people are dying is the right thing to do. So I think it's going to add another wrinkle to the race. Michael Warren will be there to watch it for us for the Weekly Standard. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.